I am pretty down with the Backlash poster. Yeah. Um, because it's, I think it was Edge from 2009 to 2020, a very similar look. And the fact that he, he's cut as fuck, um, but he looks like, he looks like a half-smoked cigarette, though, and... (laughs) (laughs) Edge is a half-smoked cigarette of a human being! Well, fucking, did you have that prepped for the cold open? Were you just ready to blast off with Edge? Is a half-smoked Marlboro laying in the road? It's just, I saw this picture on this article, and it's got old Edge versus, like, it's got young Edge versus old Edge, and I'm like, oh, he's got that salt and pepper. It, he looks like a cigarette. It looks like you just lit that bad boy up. You took a drag on it, and that's his head. And the rest of it, oh, there's the filter. Just, star of money plane, Edge, the fucking Paul Mall brother. Welcome to Fight Boys, ladies and gentlemen, the show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I'm your host, the man who's done ten podcasts in the past five days, Scotty Moore! And I'm the other guy who's done one, Blake Tanner. <laughs> oh. oh, fuck. I haven't even had to introduce the podcast, but even still I struggled. I was like... Five boys, uh, wrestling, wrestling, that's this one, is wrestling. No, I'm sorry I'm a bit off my game, but our faithful producer, FMA, has brought to me the worst tweet ever, and it's from Ryan Satin. Breaking. In an effort to streamline the creative writing process for TV, WWE has consolidated both teams from Raw and SmackDown into one group, led by Bruce Pritchard. Paul Heyman will now concentrate on his role as an in-ring performer. Fuck this! I'm so mad right now. Oh god! It was if it, if you thought it was rough before, now you're gonna see. We're going back in time, Scotty. It's about to be in the really bad times before the SmackDown before that first draft, and it's gonna be no, no, <laughs> God. No! I had to mute my mic for that one, sorry. Okay, I wasn't sure if you got so loud, you clipped your microphone and broke it. I thought you legitimately just broke your microphone out of fury at this writing team news. It's just that the idea is, I mean, it's not like it's been great, but for the most part, it has been sustainable. You have been able to find stuff that is good. And it's not back in the way back times, the before, in the long, long ago, you know, in the 20, 2016, 2017 era, when it was just so utter shit that you could not watch it. Yeah. Uh, Which is weird, because that's when I was watching wrestling. Now, speaking of unwatchable shit... I don't want to throw too many aspersions at Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream... But I do want to, I actually want to cast aspersions on myself, the man who a few weeks ago was so fucking excited about the concept of cinematic wrestling working its way in. And then WWE took all my hopes and dreams and just shat on it. Shattered them. it. Weak, now, weak. 
after week. Now, um, I have not seen this match yet. Could you give me a rough rundown? Adam Cole got a big old truck. There you go. That's the only... I didn't... I could. I, I was firstly very tired, but I also just could not finish this fucking match to save my life. Because um, Cole comes in on a big old truck as if they're about to wrestle, do sumo wrestling with monster trucks a la WCW. Dream shows up in a Lamborghini, and as Dream pulls up, Morrow states, oh, I think a little red Corvette would have been more appropriate. And I was like, it fucking would have. Morrow just ruined this entrance. Morrow just fucking <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> so he pulls up in a Lambo. He gets out pretty dope dressed like Negan from The Walking Dead. And this is where from the... Okay. I'm going to almost entirely base this off of what our good friend Paul, uh, our Dragon Con AEW friend, put on Twitter. But I feel like it was problematic for some reason during last week, because there were some things going on last week, for Adam Cole to be walking around in a smoky, backlit street beating up a black man it was very awkward it was very uncomfortable to watch and i didn't like it i think he had a bat at some point dream had a bat it was very rough of a description of this match now there's a thing that i like to talk about (laughs) I just saw your fury, like, almost like you had a burp, like a vomit burp, like, uh, okay, and then you had to swallow it back. I really, I'm really restraining myself right now, and there's a, there's a, there's something I'd like to talk about, okay. and it's the idea, and it's something that WWE has never been able to really, really portray, and I find that, you know, the only time that WWE is able to keep up with anything current is when it's in the worst possible way, but fucking optics, my dude! It's the optics of this! It is like, you say, oh, you know what? It didn't mean it. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter if you meant it or not. It's what it looks like, you dumb shit, WWE writers. It's okay for fucking Orton to hang edge the same week as that fucking Benoit documentary came out. Perfectly fine. Keep it up. It's cool. Speaking of WWE and shitty optics, um, I've got a couple. One is... Apparently, they just needed a pool, and they couldn't find a pool anywhere else in the Orlando area other than at the house of recently released professional wrestler Matthew Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder. I want to know who was the per- who Did he say who contacted him about it? Uh, they didn't contact him. They contacted his girlfriend, Chelsea Green, who is a WWE talent. But at the same <laughs> time, the Holy shit! What you d- what? I didn't even I didn't know that's how it went down. It's really, okay. This was my this was my theory. This was my whole theory. You know how Vince McMahon has this fucking thing about pools yeah. that we all know about. <laughs> he wanted to shove a fired man into a pool. That must have been it. He wanted his moment. He's like, 
I never normally come down to these <laughs> these tapings, but hey, hey, Zach, how you doing, buddy? You, hey, come and show me this pool. You got your phone in your pocket. Good. <laughs> I'm about to. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. You Vince, up. I always keep it with me. You want It's it's an older iPhone, so it's not one of those waterproof ones. So I got to be careful around the pool. <laughs> oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna take care of you. Uh, and now the final one that's really awkward is um. WWE heard a lot about this hot upcomer named Austin on the independent professional wrestling scene. And they were like, we need to sign this Austin kid. We need to bring in this Austin guy. At which point, Adam Cole, a.k.a. Austin Jenkins, I think, got an email. And they were like, hey, we'd love to hire you. And then Adam Cole was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And they're like, yeah, we saw, like, your matches with R-Truth were so great. And he went, what? Turns out they were talking about Austin Watson, a.k.a. Xavier Woods. Meanwhile, WWE was like a great Austin guy. It's probably the white kid. Hire him! Man, this has really not been a great couple weeks for them, huh? Yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll say the Cole one's funnier more than because, like, it was clearly just like a mistake. Adam Cole is slowly becoming one of my favorite people, especially on Up, Up, Down, Down. Just watch them play Uno; it's fucking great. <laughs> How did they not realize this on either end? Oh yeah, it's like, how did you not fucking know? Like, Cole eventually sent a picture and was like, this is me. And they're like, oh, nope, that's definitely not the kid we were looking for. You are not the right one. Although, (laughs) you know what? You look like a guy that we would hire. I think I saw some of your matches before. You look like like a Shawn Michaels a long time ago. Very, very good. Oh, man, are you the guy that does that? Baby, we should hire this guy. (laughs) It's so good. Wait. Also, I do want to give props to Tyler Breeze for what was quite funny, quite possibly the funniest moment in the history of Uno on Up, Up, Down, Down. And it's that they were talking about old AOL instant messenger screen names. And Breeze grew up in Canada, so he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't have that. I only had MSN. At which point Cesaro just goes, what are you talking about? I had... I had a- I had aim all the time, and Breeze goes, "How? It's America Online!" And everyone breaks down. It was so good. Fucking loved it. Oh God! I, there's somebody like I know it might not translate amazingly well to on like in a ring, but Cesaro is one of those amazingly charismatic people. Period. Um, but Breeze. Have you seen what, like, when when Brizongo returned and I saw them coming down um, to the ring, I was like, who's that guy with Dango? Where's Breeze? Where's Tyler? Oh my god, it's Tyler. Breeze is genuinely, and I, this is not hyperbole. So we're like, oh my god, it's Tyler. <laughs> I, I genuinely think Tyler Breeze might be one of the smartest professional wrestling minds in that age group. I think that man is a fucking genius, and I hate that they don't let him do anything. Yeah. As somebody, I have seen him reinvent himself so many times by just growing his hair out. Yeah. <laughs> and that is... That is something that not a lot of people get. You could It's the small things in wrestling. That can really make a big impact. This is my 
fuck. I'm happy Gazi re- re-upped on Patreon so we can talk about him again, because the greatest sentence ever just came from Gazi in chat. He goes, I'm going to try to be Matt Taven's return match when Ring of Honor comes back. I couldn't hurt that company any more than it's hurt itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, Gazi. Very good, Gazi. Um, let's see, any other WWE news outside? Okay, let's move on to NXT. Hey, bud, do you think... Did did Charlotte winning that title really do anything for NXT, or... uh... Nah, but it did some stuff for Charlotte. Yeah! It didn't. It It didn't. didn't, It didn't is the spoiler. It didn't. Because apparently... By the way, Rhea came out. You know, all of us, even us, we're very much reporting like, oh, she's in Australia right now. She had a visa issue. She can't be here in the States anymore. Rhea did an interview and she was like, yeah, I didn't go to fucking Australia. That's I knew I wouldn't come back if I went there, so I stayed here in America. So there was no fucking reason this had to happen. There was no reason. Because guess what? Even the match where she lost the title... She didn't get fucking pinned. It was ridiculous. So they really just wanted to give Charlotte another belt, and they just a used belt she already had, had once. A belt that was actually, you know, a lot of WWE titles is a lateral maneuver. You did do the. You did go back to NXT, which I know they want to make it more equal, but NXT is its own thing. And I don't, I don't, I don't want you touching it. Don't touch our good place. Don't touch our no-no zone. Please. No, no, no. You come from the bad place, actually. Um, so, yeah, dude, because, like, I come, I somewhat just want to mentally pretend that Rio won at WrestleMania, and then she got pinned at TakeOver by EO to win the title. That's, that's the canon. That's what happened. Because you know what? In about six months, that's what you can tell people, and they'll take it for fucking fact. Like, because I'm not... I don't remember a single time that I saw Charlotte doing anything interesting with the NXT Women's Championship. Yeah, because I, I think that's the thing. When you win a title, it should be to make a statement. Becky Lynch winning the title, both titles, made a fucking statement. It was, I am here, I am here to stay. Yeah, that was a Daniel Bryan-level title win. It was at the very end of a very long and tiring WrestleMania, so it might not get the credit it deserves, but that was one of the biggest moments. Like, I was so happy to see it, because it meant that all of the time, like, it felt like everything that she had been through was worth it. This, I don't know what it was meant to represent with Charlotte winning the NXT championship. Other than Charlotte can go wherever and do whatever. That's it. And if it was to make us hate her more, congratulations, WWE, you did that. But I don't think that's what you wanted. Because I've heard so many people be like, they think she's a babyface. And I'm like, I don't think they do. (laughs) I hope they don't. Because otherwise, that's ridiculous. Hey, bud. That's yep. what people were saying about John Cena for years. Yeah, but John still came out and act babyface. He act, just he acted like a baby. You're right. Charlotte, I don't know that it's possible that she can act like a babyface. And I know that's... <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, I don't want to say that's anything to her, like, personal character. It's just like she... That's not... 
That's not her wheelhouse. Some people are only meant to be villains. I think Charlotte well, no, Flair I- is a flair. That is the one truth about her. She can. She's not like as crazy as her father. Let's say, but Woo-hoo. she. Woo. Uh, she has that kind of snide, self-serving attitude that really can come through when she pushes it. And that's really where she needs to be. Let her play to her strengths. I think people like Charlotte and Roman and maybe even Seth once got to have a sit-down convo with Vince that none of the other talent get to have where he goes, Hey, you're just gonna be you and hey, if they like you, they like you. If you don't, you don't. But wrestling's not about characters anymore. It's all about the the person. It's all about the quality of the matches. So you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And it's like, no, there is, you do still need. Also, FMA has busted in with a What Culture article about Charlotte wanting to wrestle for a men's championship, which I'm not gonna lie, I don't hate. I don't hate that because if they would let anybody do it, it would be Charlotte, and it would open doors much like Tessa did in uh, Impact. Honestly, that would be a great move for Charlotte. I think that would be, because that is something that they could give her. That is something that she could attain, as it were. That and is she something would also, that she could strive for. And she would also very much seem like an underdog. It would change, it would add a, a completely new uh, aspect to her character. Yes, and this would turn me, if something like this happened, it would turn me around on Charlotte completely, because what they've been doing with her, and I, it's like, it's this whole booking thing. It's where the booking can make you so sour on a wrestler. Um, yes. Uh, and by the way, she did do an interview where they were like, hey, how do you respond to people saying, like, you're oversaturated rated and stuff like that? And at first she was like, well, a lot of them say it's because of my last name. I don't think it is. I genuinely do not think Charlotte is in the top because of her family lineage. It certainly helps, but at the end of the day, Randy Orton, after a while, nobody thinks about Cowboy Bob Orton. Nobody thinks about his family. They think about RKO. Charlotte's the same way. I do not think about Rick anytime I see Charlotte. No, because she is so very different from her father in her wrestling character, in the way that she wrestles, in everything she does almost. Like, she, it's because they're so different that I can't connect them. I've never seen, uh, really anything that Cowboy Bob did, but I can imagine the era that he was in, and I can imagine the character that he would be being named Cowboy Bob, and like, that's Randy Orton, the big snake's dad? Yeah, they're not alike at all. Like, Bob was very much a brawler. He, like, for the longest time, he had a fucking cast on his arm and would, like, bash people's heads in it. Like, Bob was completely different from Randy. Like, Charlotte's completely different. But I think WWE saw Charlotte as... Firstly, they wanted to market the four horsewomen. They knew they had money in NXT at that time. They brought up three of them. And then they were like, well, Sasha's not marketable, even though she... Fucking is. Fucking is, though. I can't get off on that tangent right now, so... And then they looked at Becky and they were like, absolutely not. You're the best friend character to our main character, who is Charlotte. And from there, Charlotte just Oh, and let's not fucking forget, you didn't even mention Bailey because they didn't for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Hey, however... Hey, how how you feel about that moment when Oscar just slapped Charlotte? <laughs> it was real good, wasn't it? it makes me so it's happy. Like, hey, 
Hey, hey, Oscar, you're so jumpy around. You're you're so happy all the time. You take anything seriously, bitch. I take you seriously. <laughs> that God, that was so good, and that's why I love Oscar, and that's why I'm very happy for Oscar. By the way. I want to talk about how happy I am for Oscar because I Dylan's not here this week. He had to go out of town, and I feel like I, someone needs to take. Um, she has really bridged the character of being extremely like a manic, joyful person uh, with her character because she rarely needs to speak. Obnoxiously you can, happy. Yes, very much so. And the one moment that somebody challenged her on that, they got a fucking dose of reality. Yeah. Because this is the person, this is the person that fucking, did you see the match, um, that they were in where, um, oh, I can't remember who it was, uh, who it was, but it was Asuka and Charlotte against, uh, another tag team. And I only remember the ending. Um, was it? Charlotte was going for the moonsault. Yeah. And as she was up there on, uh, on the top rope, she was about to flip. Oscar tags herself in and just puts an arm bar on that ends it so quick. <laughs> and she just ends the match. It's like, fuck your flashy shit. You want to see some seriousness? See, I love Oscar because she has, and this is a terrible comparison, but it's the only one I can draw, is Festus, which is complete a completely separate character. And then the bell rings, and then you die. That's who Oscar is. Um, yeah, now- it's like... They didn't do a lot with Festus, but if you could do it with that character, a- another character that I wish they'd done it with was Adam Rose, because he had that whole thing that he wanted to do but never got to. But then, of course, we saw how that turned out. Um, but uh, I love the idea of a character that can flip on a dime. Like, when they're in the ring, they're fucking, they're some, they're one of the fucking best. Like, you will be hard-pressed to beat them. But outside it... They're the most chill human being. Yeah. Asuka is an anime character. Asuka is an anime boss. Fuck. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wait, so you're saying when the match begins, she becomes Yami Asuka, and now the Millennium Puzzle lights up, and now she's ready to fucking go. Okay, we gotta we gotta get off the Asuka tangent, because there's some we didn't get to talk about this because we took a week off last week. Hopefully everybody checked out Matt Mania or something uh, relevant like that. But, um... Hey, that Drake Maverick storyline's kind of fucked, ain't it? Oh God, I can't. I can't believe it's been. There's been so much that's happened that that has been. Okay, so the gist of it is, Drake Maverick gets fired. Still in a tournament. Yes, where he's going to be fighting. And Triple H talked about it, and he was like, "The reason we kept him, we had already had the whole thing booked and the whole thing planned, which I think was a little bit of bullshit because I think Maverick would have been out very quickly if if he hadn't cut that emotional promo after he had gotten fired. I think that changed the course of a lot of things." But yeah, now, uh, is that you or Triple H speaking? No, because I, if Triple H said all of that, fuck. No, no, no. H cut. I stopped being Triple H after I said we already had it booked. And then the rest okay, was me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he was like, we already had it booked, so we kept him on. And then the story and the magic that he brought inspired us to bring him back on. And I'm like, yeah, but 
you did that with CM Punk, too. You fired him, allegedly, and then kept him on contract. And then, uh, like, two, three weeks after Money in the Bank, you brought him back. There was enough time for the audience to truly feel, oh, fuck, he's actually gone. They did it with, it was a different situation, but they did it with Daniel Bryan. It's like... You know, Brian choked, uh, Cole on com, like, uh, on an episode, then the sponsors were like, no, fuck you. To the point where they fired him and said, we'll hire you back. And then they hired him back. It's like, why, why? Especially in this situation specifically with Maverick and all of the other people they released, which, yeah. Am I right? Did I read or did I just make this up that they have hired back more people that were, Release. They were trying to, because apparently the deal is they were trying to re-sign people for less money. Less money, yeah. Yeah, and you know, fuck it, at least the Good Brothers were like, we've already made $5 million on the Talking Shop Patreon, we don't need you guys anymore. Fuck, what was this? I saw this post, um, and it was, uh... But while you look that up, um, my thing with the Maverick storyline is, like, I'm fine with them re-signing Maverick. Because now he has got a bunch of shit behind him. Like, everyone's behind Maverick. I'm just upset with the fact that they built a whole storyline around if he loses, he's fired. If he loses, he's out. And then he lost. And then, oh no, the stakes have come to fruition. He's not here anymore. JK Triple H has a contract for him, and that's how we're going to end the show. We're not going to celebrate our new cruiserweight champion. We're going to give Drake Maverick a contract. Whereas instead, you could have done some exciting shit of, firstly... First, I'm very excited for Phantasma's heel turn and his subsequent rebranding as Santos Escobar, which is the best fucking pro wrestling name of all time. But have that still happen. Have him attack... Um, I'm trying to think of baby faces on NXT and it is not coming to me, but have him attack another cruiserweight this week, reveal himself, and then slowly Jack Gallagher... Like Sting with the NWO, or not Jack Gallagher, uh, Drake Maverick starts coming back as a Sting-like figure, helping attack Escobar's minions, leading to a match at NXT TakeOver before SummerSlam, where you would have fucking Drake versus him. If he wins the title, he also gets signed to a contract. And then Drake wins, he gets the title, he gets the contract, he saved his life. Like, that's it. Yeah, if you were going to do it, if you knew that you were going to rehire him and y'all already worked it out, just make it feel better. Make it feel like, I mean, and not that he didn't earn it. Yeah, because it, this, it felt like a fucking charity case, and it shouldn't have. Yes, make it feel like he's earned it, and literally the way to do that is by having him fix what he did wrong so many months ago and win the title that got him fired. So, like, that's what I would have done. But I think they're doing the best with what they've got, because the reveal this week with Santos Escobar was fucking killer. It was one of those good classic heel turns where you see Phantasma just, like, slowly turn around it's the same i got the exact same vibe of when you saw seth with the steel chair about to attack roman and john like it had that that one guy just like yelling no yeah exactly and so like that was a great moment but i think they could have done it better but i'm not gonna completely shit on the storyline i think it's still gonna be very good 
And plus, this means that he's an actual wrestler now, right? Yes. Maverick. Maverick, I believe, unaffiliated, like, the contract was definitely A for NXT. So he is no longer, like, a managerial person. He is now on NXT. I feel like, honestly, just from how I how I think things go, I feel like that was Trips pulling the strings on his own uh, terms. And he's like... Yeah, we can't, we can't let him go. And knowing that Maverick wanted to wrestle. Yes. That is what he came to the company for, and he did not get to do it. So now you give him a platform where he can wrestle, which is, it's good for Maverick, and it will be good for NXT, because I think that he's a great character too, and I think that it's something they need. Because as much as I love the pure wrestling aesthetic that NXT is giving off, you get some more fucking great characters in there, and it'll be like old times again, baby. I was gonna say, like, old NXT, yes, it had great matches, but you also had fucking, like, CJ Parker. You had Adam Rose. You had some interesting characters in there to keep it going. Uh, although I will say, it does feel like they're moving closer that way, because Karrion Cross has probably the best introduction any superstar has ever had. Like, that fucking moment at the end of NXT... Where Cole's won and Cole looks dominant and Cole, a man who was reaching a point where I've said it and I said it in the past about Shayna. He reached a point where I'm like, no one else. I can't think of anybody else in this company who could feasibly take that title away from him. Mostly because I was very much thinking like a boring booker and going, oh, he can only lose it to a baby face. And then Scarlet walks out with that fucking uh, hourglass flips it upside down, and then just walks away. And someone said they didn't like the crowd there. They wanted to be, like, eerily quiet. It felt cult-like. It felt very cult-like as the entire arena is, like, just chanting, fall and pray, fall and pray. It that's was a really good. good way to put it. Like, that's, that's, I mean, they're, in wrestling, you can make an immediate challenger to a title that feels unattainable by a single moment. And WWE, it may prize itself on its moments. It's got its long-term storytelling. This is when the two mesh. Because Cross has been doing his own thing. And now they're in a point where, oh, he's been fucking killing it. And Cole seems to have nowhere else to go. Boop. Put those bad boys together and you got a fucking NXT still going. You got that good, you got that good NXT eating. That's what I want to hear. That's my NXT three-course meal. Yep. I, I, I'll, I'll honestly say, like, when Rhea Ripley came out, like, a long time ago to challenge Shayna was the moment I was like, that's where the title's getting dropped. That's how I felt. Seeing that hourglass go down, I was like, and that's where the title's going. I don't need anything else. I don't need any more info. That's where that title's going. But the thing is, you still want to see it. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing that you want in wrestling. It's like, you know this is how it has to happen now, but you want to see it happen. It's the same thing with, like, Mo- like uh, they're trying to do it with Cage and Moxley. But no, Cage has not had that moment where I go, he's the one who's, like, he's dropping the title to. Because, like, we all knew when Moxley came out to challenge Jericho, like... That's where it's going. It's going yeah, to him. And it felt it felt good to me at least, because you know how much I love John Moxley. Um But like y- yeah, it doesn't really and I haven't 
Like, I love Cage, and I love Brody Lee, and I love all those guys, but I was like, it's not gonna be them. And I, Brody Lee's now doing his own little thing. It's okay. Someone actually had a very good description, and it's, WWE talks about being the land of the giants. It's got the big guys. AEW is actively being not the land of the Giants because you see them take down Brody Lee. You see Wardlow getting taken down. All the fucking big men kind of get relegated to smaller roles. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, that's that's too much. It's getting to be too much on the opposite side of the spectrum for me. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because it's like a, a big... Okay, I'm about to get Star Trek. Hold on. We're have to. We're this might be a rarity, but this might be our first episode where we're pretty critical of AEW because I've got some shit to say too. Yeah, that's fair. Um, in Star Trek: The Next Generation, they had the character of Worf, who was a Klingon. Klingons are like the biggest, baddest dudes on the block. Yeah. If you go toe to toe with a Klingon, you get your ass beat. That's how they've been built up for the entirety of Star Trek. I don't know why then you're they describing this... this, man. I know Klingons, Chewbacca, fucking, I know them all. I know those Klingons. Eat my ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing that they did, and this is, look it up on TV tropes, people. Go down that rabbit hole. They made it to where it became a trope that Worf got his ass beat all the fucking time because he was the big man. So guess what? If he gets beat down, then your your opponent that you're fighting this week has got to be badass. And they did it so much that it didn't matter. And this is what I'm afraid that AEW's going to fall into, and I hope they don't. Because if you fall into the wharf uh, trope, then anytime you see a big man, you're not going to care. Yeah, the wharf effect, as F- FMA is putting it. Uh, Thank yeah, you, well, FMA. That's, yeah, that's my, it. <laughs> uh, my, my thing that I'm noticing, and someone brought it up this week, and it'll probably change, but Cody has somehow found a way to make himself the main event of every episode by doing the open challenge thing. So now he's the main event every week, and that's when I'm like, oh, no. I've turned I've turned on Cody quite a bit, and I hate no, that. No, I, I know. When Cody talks, I love Cody. Then Cody wrestles, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm afraid, like, that's kind of how I've always been on Cody because he's been such a – he's a great promo. Um, he – it takes a lot for him to put on a good, great match. He can put on good matches, decent matches. Three-star general, yeah. Three-star general. And he's he's starting to show that again, because his first few matches in AEW, it's like, damn, son, you got it, you found it. And now he's kind of fallen into kind of that, that funk, that three-star funk. Yeah, he's back, back on its shit. Uh, I will say some people who have got off of that funk, though. Fucking FTR. Are new fucking men. They, holy, cause like, they, they had the brawler brain buster role in WWE. And for some reason, that led them to be very slow and methodical, because that's the only way WWE thinks a team like that can work. I didn't realize them boys can fucking move. Those boys can go. Yeah, it feels like everything that I hear now is like, oh, so they were told not to do this. Man, that sucks. Um, because so good. Yeah, they've got their. You know what? They're doing the same shtick, but with more moot, like with their full athleticism. And it's it like completely revived. It, it, they were watered down, and this now you're getting pure uncut FTR. Uncut FTR has got to be 
the newest street drug, right? Yes. Also, uh, it's all it's literally lit a fire under the bucks too. I could tell because like when Matt Matt'll cut promos sometimes and just be like. I don't like you, Chris Jericho. Look, it's Vanguard Run. He's coming in. He's going to have Matt Hardy with him. But, like, he came out this week, looked them dead in the eyes, and was like, you know, we didn't formally introduce ourselves a few weeks ago. I'm Matt. That's Nick. We're the Young Bucks, and we've been carrying tag team wrestling for the past ten years. And I went, he believes every word he's saying, and he is so fucking passionate right now. I got so excited, because, like, ever since AEW started, the Bucks have been very lax. They've wanted to let the other talent show what they can do. Even even though, like, they, they started out, like, putting on some of the best matches they ever have but they've fallen into this funk and this is the thing with aew you got to get them out of the funk right now cody's still in the funk the young bucks they're getting out i think ftr is gonna beat them i hope that ftr beats the young bucks because it will break the young bucks in a way that like all the shit they've been talking up it will make for something interesting yeah I don't know, man. I, I first, I'm just excited for the fucking match because yeah, this right, is right, right. Because the Bucks have had some great fucking matches, like no doubt. But they have yet to have that full on like their matches with Red Dragon, their matches against Steen and Generico, like those epic fucking clashes. They've yet to have a one other than maybe, I guess their series against Lucha Bros was up there. And yeah, then, Lucha Bros is the one that I'm really thinking of because I'm like all of, of the matches. Uh, Hangman Omega is the one I keep thinking of. Yeah, that was also like fucking choice. Yeah, but like nothing else because it's got to have stakes in wrestling, and nothing and they haven't had gonna, as much stakes, and nothing's gonna compare to this. No match that they've had on the table has possibly had the history and the stakes of like fucking years ago someone saying one day we'll wrestle the young bucks and when we do the world will rejoice like that's where it's at because this is it's so pure and it's so simple but it is old school versus new school yeah that is all you fucking need and they have built this into a majesty of a match that i hope happens i I kind of hope this is where we get the new horseman where Cody looks like he's about to come out and save the bucks from FDR turns on. Like maybe they've had like a, cause you know, they'll do shit like with, uh, um, fuck. Why can't I remember his name? The hybrid two and Kip Sabian. They did that. They're going to do, I think they'll do that with like FTR and Sean. That way they have a Tully connection. So then Sean comes out, fucks him up. Cody comes out. Looks like he's about to be the buck second. And then they all align. That would be a perfect ending to something. It would be better for Cody, too, because he fits in more with their mindset of wrestling. Yes. Like, it it, it would be like all the pieces falling into place. Holy shit. We have talked so much good wrestling tonight. I'm so fucking excited about this. Uh, now let's talk about bad wrestling. Blake, backlash is this Sunday. Oh, we've got to do per... Oh, fuck. Predictions for the best wrestling match ever. So, let's start 
with... Actually, I'm kind of excited for this. Because, one, I'm excited this man is finally U.S. champion. But Cruz versus Andrade. I had Cruz. I think. Dylan yeah, had Cruz. we all Cruz. have Cruz. The thing is, I want this to be, like, Cruz's moment. His time. This is the solidifying this moment. This is the yeah, solidifying this rain the needs rain. to be... Yeah, it needs to be his time because I love Cruz. He is such an athletic guy. He's very, he's like a Cesaro in, in the way that I think about him. Very charismatic in the ring. He's not got the best promo, so he's got to carry himself by like his attitude when he's in the ring from the moment he's walking down to the match itself because he's so fucking good oh like i can still to this day remember that moment when he debuted on raw and walked out looked down and his logo was down there and he goes that's my name that's my name oh yeah and what he was keith lee before keith lee was a thing he was the big big man who could move and do uh, unimaginable things for his size yes like the from the moment he was signed i was seeing everybody was posting his matches as uha nation and like fuck they're so good. Yeah. Um, but you, once again, this is watered down WWE, so we can only hope for so much in the promo character area. I hope that he brings it in the match, because I want this to happen. Yep. Uh, up next, this one you have yet to answer yet, the, yet, but it is a triple threat tag match between the Iconics, Sasha and Bailey, who they decided to pull a Charlotte and just give them the titles at the last minute for some reason. Unless it's, I guess it might be to spurn a, a split, which I would openly accept. Uh, and then uh, a Bliss Cross. I, uh, oh, also, and we, I guess we do need to talk to Dylan about this as, as well. But um, I think the way I want to do it now for triple threats, the person in last place gets first pick. First pick, the second place gets middle pick, and third place, the person who has the most points gets the last pick on a triple threat. Gotcha, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Which is why I went first and I picked the Iconics! Hey, Kayla! <laughs> you got a journalism for that! For that! By the way, we didn't talk about this on the show, but listen to their episode of them with the New Day, because you expect them to match the New Day's, like, upbeat, excited energy. They are the kindest, sweetest, young little Aussie girls I've ever ha heard in my life. They're just both like, well, when we got here, we wanted to make sure we really respected everybody and made to pay our dues, and so we made sure we did that. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, they are very sweet and kind, and honestly, they would have been my first picks if you hadn't taken them, but you are in last place, so. Thank you. Um, also, this whole, a lot of this is riding on this one pick that I'm just finally noticing. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, but I took Sasha and Bailey because they gave it to them, you've got your inaugural champs, and- if they're going to do a split between them, they're going to keep the championships for a while now. Like, if there's something happens, it won't be till SummerSlam to me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, 
and I, I do like what they did. Like as soon as they won the titles, they they uh, the cameras followed them backstage, and Sasha and Bailey are of course being their obnoxious heel self. So they go, should we go cry on our fucking hotel floor about this? <laughs> that was real good, and I was real happy about that moment. Um, up next, uh, fucking a match we will talk ad nauseum about in a few, but Hardy versus Sheamus. We've all got Hardy because you just fucking can't. <laughs> With this storyline, you can't. You can't. Because, like, I... Don't, no, we'll talk about it. Don't. But, uh, but yeah, I will we've say... all got Hardy, because fuck. Do, do you find it buck wild to, me, to you as well that this is on the pay-per-view and yet AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan is on SmackDown? The one that, by the way, we didn't get to talk about it, it was in the notes, but, like, these were the two guys they sent to do a NASCAR thing, to do a crossover episode. Yeah. And they don't have it on the pay-per-view? What? <laughs> have you seen it? It's so fucking buckwat. Because, like, this is the point. The match is about to happen. There needs to be so much hatred and vitriol between these two. Meanwhile, they're doing goofy bits for NASCAR. Like, it's all Daniel being like, no, I'm the grand. They're literally redoing the I'm the tag team champions goof. Except it's I'm the grand marshal of the fucking whatever parade that they're doing. Okay, we can we can just pass by. It's so fucking rough, dude. That fucking fl- flat earther. <laughs> cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, especially with the shit that's going on with s- some people who have left NASCAR now because they're dumb <laughs> shit. So. Um, oh no no! You mean the man who has uh, gotten zero victories, zero wins, because he can't show his dumb loser flag now because it's the flag of. It's the it's the flag of losers is what it it's is. It's the flag of losers. Well, no, the, re- the, s- the reason why he was unsuccessful in NASCAR is because he's always had some troubles with race. Anyways, on to the next <laughs> match. <laughs> that, was, that was fucking genuine, and I'm so happy right now. I'm so happy seeing all of that joy come out. <laughs> that was fuck. Okay, keep I going. stole that from Twitter. I can't take full credit. That's that's fine. That's the fucking best. Okay. All right, up next, Asuka avenging, avenging the fucking life of her tag team partner against the woman who is dead set on murdering her, Nia Jax. I know that Asuka will win, and all of us do, because if there's somebody that cannot be hurt, it's Asuka. Yeah, um, yeah, that match is gonna be difficult to watch. I'm not gonna lie. If I, look, Oscar uh, is going to Oscar is going to not only avenge her losses, <laughs> she's, she's going, going to, to murder Kyrie. She's going to. We're going to witness a live murder. My favorite part about. The whole Nia Jax Kyrie Sane bullshit, by the way, is when she apparently busted open Kyrie on some ring steps. And I sent that link to the Fight Boys chat, and Dylan goes, You know what, Scotty? We've had some arguments, but I think you're right, actually. I think you're right about this now. Yeah, I think that was the moment, and Dylan will wholeheartedly admit it. Um, she next got week. the buckle bomb banned. The move that retired Sting <laughs> didn't get retired until Nia got a hold of it. God damn, I can't. Asuka. Alright, now a match that I... I'm very emotionally compromised, because I wish 
there would be such a cooler thing that could happen, but it can't. As Braun Strowman takes on The Miz and Morrison. Now, me and you both agree, Strowman. But Dylan thinks that Strowman is about to lose his title the same way twice in the same year because he thinks Morrison's going to pin him for it. I think that Dylan has a point because this is one of those Dylan calls that's always like, it's either going to happen and his... uh wrestling knowledge is gonna kick in or it's not and our just like this is wwe is gonna kick in see with me i can usually tell when a storyline demands a title change happen and usually those storylines do not involve um fucking kids choice awards sliming interviewer caleb braxton usually those storylines are a little bit more intense than this one true that that is a fair point, and I don't I don't think Strowman's gonna. If Strowman loses it, it will be to a legitimate tag team. I think. I'm not to say anything against Miz and Morrison. They're great. They're some of my favorite fucking people. Their Miz TV segments have been some of the best shit. Yeah. Now FMA brings up cash in, and that is why I'm fucking furious about this match because. And not that I don't love New Day as tag champs. I love them. If they had kept the belts on Miz and Morrison and continued with this storyline to where they're like, we're not going to be double champs, we're going to have the World Heavyweight and the tag titles, have this match happen. Have the dominance happen between all of them. All three men look broke to shit. They hit like a, a, a Tower of Doom superplex on Strowman, shakes the ring, everyone's laying down. Otis comes out. And Otis gets in the ring, and he looks like he is about to cash in on Strowman, turns around, whacks Morrison with the briefcase, out comes Tucky, and they cash in for the tag titles, and then, booyah, baby, we got new tag champs. Champs. So that's why I'm don't, mad about Don't it. fill my heart with such joy when it can't happen. Um, McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. Fuck, it's gotta be McIntyre. This once again, it there was not a there was not an hourglass moment. There was not a moment where I go, this is gonna happen. This was just a oh, this is his filler feud. Okay, it feels like a lot of backlash is filler. That's that's kind of how I approach this one. Um, how can you say that when it has the greatest wrestling match ever on it? We. <laughs> are gonna get into it <laughs> yeah um, so we all had mcintyre right yeah yeah McIntyre. wow we agreed on a lot <laughs> that's what i was saying it's really gonna be down to two matches i th- or three technically yeah i mean you and me are only different on one match i think uh, yeah, and that's the one we're forced to be different on. Yes. Uh, now finally, the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> Who's gonna win it, Edge or Orton? So, we both have Orton. Dylan has Edge. I... Now, it's a filler pay-per-view so far. And I'm going off 50-50 book and rules, no doubt. Yeah, because it's like... You know what? Edge has got that... He's been pretty cool... He's got that fucking burnt cigarette look. Look, he's got that, he's the Siggy boy, he's about to ignite that flame. It's fucking Dolph Ziggler coming out, baby. I mean, you think you know him, but I think it's gonna be Orton, and I, 
I want to see them in a real, real wrestling match in 2020. And that's what excites me about, like, that's the main reason I said Orton's going to win is I love Edge. Edge is easily in my top five wrestlers of all time. But if you're talking about actual wrestling, Randy Orton does have him beat in spades. Like, if you're talking about a guy who can out-wrestle anybody on the planet and then call them out for being a flat earther, it's Randy fucking Orton. (laughs) Jesus. If there is somebody, like, that more people in wrestling have said is the best wrestler currently, right now... The smartest. It is always Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. That's why they put him with FTR. Because F- and by the way, FTR apparently loves Randy Orton. Like, they couldn't stop gushing about him on Jericho's podcast. But, like, uh, they those are, like, the guys who are so smart in a wrestling ring. Like, they know what to do, and there's no wasted movement. Every single thing they do is either to get a rise out of the audience or to serve a purpose in the match. Uh, so, yeah, we all... We, oh, man, I... Here's the thing, and we'll get into it a little bit more. I'm actually genuinely excited for that match. If if at nothing to be a redemption for what they did at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, yeah. Because I think one-on-one, like, real shit, even without an audience, it's going to be killer with these guys. And I am so ready to come back to this show next week and either say, Aw, man, we're right, or... Yeah, exactly. Like it is it is a flip of a fucking coin like my predictions. Um and it is just like I I I am pumped because it could be either one and I think that they've got the shit for either one, but Orton's got to win this one. Yeah, he does have to win. And speaking of winners, I want to talk about all of our winners at patreon.com slash load of BS. That's the website where you can support the BS boys, ladies and gentlemen. You can possibly, you get access to exclusive content like Wrestling History X, uh, or watch me and Blake respond to old episodes of JXT, or JWF, I'm sorry. Oh god, those those are so bad. It's so bad. But yeah, you, you... you could check that out. You could possibly become a member of the JXT roster. And you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week. Like Gazi, like Eric Fulmer, like all of our patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And Blake has abandoned me, which means I guess it's up to me to tweet somebody. And we don't have Dylan. Hey, chat, who should we tweet this week? It's up to you. Okay, okay, Gazi says tweet Jimmy Havoc because he's Gazi, and of course he fucking did. Yo, at Jimmy Havoc, where'd you get that baller-ass suit? I want one. Hashtag Havoc Watch. What's bad is I do know where he got the suit. It is like... From the cheapest suit place of all time. It's like oppasuits.com, I think. But, uh, yeah, let's see if Havoc responds. Okay, FMA said someone from AEW, so that works. Jimmy Havoc is our tweet of the week. I was fully convinced that you were going to be doing the the tweet this week while I was gone. Because that is is exactly how this show works now. And I am honestly really glad not to be a part of it. Because you and Dylan do it so much better. Well, now on to our heels and faces of the week. 
Would you like to start with your heel, Blake? Because we've already dug into it a little bit. Yes. So, the Edge Orton match. At the Backlash. The one we are very excited for. Holy shit! I'm sorry, Brian Alvarez just tweeted the AEW NXT rankings. Guess how much of a difference there was between them. I'm gonna say less than 10,000 people. 4,000 people. AEW got 677,000. NXT got 673. Holy shit, dude. Fuck, man. Yeah, this is the time. Like, it's so hard to watch wrestling when there's not a crowd. I know. I understand. It's hurting the business. Yeah. Young Bucks, we're killing the business. (laughs) So, Edge versus Randy Orton. So, WWE taken it upon themselves to call this the greatest wrestling match of all time, I believe. Yes, because the first promo was between Edge and Orton, and because Orton lost, he had to make up a reason as the heel of why he lost. And he was like, well, it's because it was it was a brawl. It wasn't wrestling, but I could beat you at wrestling. And so that's what spurned this. Yes. So WWE, of course, does not share the same views as a certain... Fucking Edge, one of the best wrestlers of all time. One of the, the members b- of the greatest the wrestling match, match ever. Yes. Uh, he has said, uh, and I quote, I'll preface this all uh, with saying there's no such thing as the greatest match ever, y'all. Uh, you're not going to be able to say definitively what the greatest song of all time is. Yeah. What the greatest painting of all time is. What is the greatest movie of all time? What's the greatest band of all time, Scotty? Tell me, now! I mean, it's ACDC, but, like, you can keep going. Wrong, right, wrong! Because <laughs> you can't. You can't qualify the greatest blank of all time. Because guess what? People are ethereal beings. With different hopes and dreams and loves. There are things that make us fucking different. And that is what makes this world beautiful. That is what makes this world worth living in. Because there is no single one greatest thing of all time. And you saying that about a wrestling match, WWE, that really sticks in my ass. Why'd you turn into Vince while insulting (laughs) Vince? Uh, you know what, I don't... You know what? I don't think that that was a certain Vincent Kennedy McMahon coming out. This is me. This is Captain fucking Tibbs from JWF Wrestling here. Talking about how these people come out and say shit about what's the greatest of all time. You know what? JWF Wrestling is pretty damn great in my opinion. You should listen to the podcast every week. JWF Dynamite. But god damn it. I don't go around saying it's the greatest of all time. <laughs> wait, wait, we're not, wait, wait, it's not JWF Dynamite. We would get sued so quickly if this is JWF Dynamite. I'm sorry, that was me doing my Tibbs impression. It gets a, it gets pretty far away from me. Can we, can we start billing Cash in the Bag as the all-rightest wrestling match ever? Um, I, w- I will say, this is why I'm excited for it, though. Because who were they in? I'm trying to see who this is from. Oh, it's from Meltzer. Uh, and this is on Forbes, which is a buck wild sentence to say <laughs> from Dave Meltzer on Forbes. Uh, the match received, because it's already been recorded, rave reviews internally. Some reportedly went as far as saying the match was great. Now, that doesn't 
I know that means it's a good match. <laughs> like some, some said it was as good as great. Um, the attempt was to do the best possible match possible. The absolute best match possible. And if there were any problems, you can redo it and you can re-edit it, even though you probably won't, as Dylan has stated multiple times, and you have a week to clean it up. I was told that the match is two very smart workers working very, very hard to have the smartest match that they possibly could under the best circumstances. It was absolutely an attempt to have the greatest wrestling match ever and give them the benefit of post-match editing. So they did it, and I was told it was really, really good. Like, great. I will say that Edge commented when he heard the tagline that I just laughed because I didn't think it was serious. Then I realized fairly quickly it was. (laughs) The the grim drop in your voice of And then I realized very quickly, that's the edge acting. That's what got him fucking put in money plane or whatever it is. The the show with the Vikings. Yeah. (laughs) I still need to watch Vikings. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say on this matter before we move on to mine? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) If I were to look at it on paper and go, right. First proper wrestling match back in nine and a half years, and they want to bill it as the greatest wrestling match ever. I mean, that's pretty pressure-filled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Now, but yeah, this is like this is putting a lot on Edge, who is like everything that we get from Edge right now is icing on the cake. We did not ever expect him to be back. Twenty twenty is a year of what the fucks in a lot of ways. Edge is the one, like one of the good ones. Yeah. So, let's just all fuck what WWE is saying. Vince is a booker and a promoter, and let's just look at this as good shit for Edge. All right, well- Fuck them for saying, putting this on a fucking pedestal before it even airs. Well, speaking of good shit, let's talk about a match that's gonna be absolute doo-doo garbage, because- I mean, I don't want to, like, out too many personal problems, but I think it's become clear on this show in the past we've had some issues with alcohol. I've had my issues with smoking. I've had my issues with addiction through me and my family. So, what, like... Issues with alcohol? What, uh, what are you talking about? Hold on, let me take a sip. <laughs> Put that down. Um, so, like, I've had very big issues with me and me addiction, my family and addiction. I've had some very serious things come up uh, with it, which leads me to be like, hey, um, WWE, maybe don't do a fucking storyline entirely around a man's alcohol addiction unless you want to do something like maybe because i i think the one that was pushing it was joe when joe came out and insulted him it was but it wasn't as like big you know it wasn't as visual as having him almost fucking kill elias like it wasn't you didn't see it it was just talking about his past because it's because the storyline is built around it now that's the difference like, the story requires him to have these pre-existing problems, which are real problems that he's had with addiction. And it's like, that is his personal life, and that's on a level that I don't think, I don't know, because, you know, people have, you know, it's said that Jeff has been alright with this, but I don't know if that's well, the best way then, to go about it. Because uh, Matt was talking about it. Matt Matt said... Obviously, Jeff had to have okayed this, but even then, there had to have been someone this went to 
because it goes through a lot of people. Someone had to have at one point been like, we shouldn't do this. This shouldn't happen. It shows a lack of empathy on everybody that that went through. Yeah, because in in an angle like this one, or an angle like the one between him and Joe, or the one he had with Punk, it was a heel tactic. It was the heel coming out and saying, oh, you think you've changed, but you're not. You are the same person that you'll always be. Meanwhile, th- that that is an angle that gives hope to an addict, because that is an angle where Jeff fights back and ends up winning, and that gives everybody out there who struggles with an, uh, an addiction a feeling of like, oh, I can change and I can become a better person. Great. This angle is literally built around Oh, maybe Jeff did get a little bit too drunk and accidentally hit someone with a car. Like, they showed it! And literally for a week, there was doubt in everyone's mind of like, did Jeff or did Jeff fucking hit someone with a car when he got too drunk? Like, that was the, the issue. The point of this angle is that he hit someone while he was drunk in a car. Well, they they did, it is now, like, they revealed, like, oh, it was actually Seamus and shit like that. But that doesn't fix what they did. Um, Yeah, it's hard to, uh, you know, like you said, we've all dealt with our own personal shit. Shit that I don't even go into on the podcast. Um, But, like, having that put out for all the world to see, for me at least, would be, even if you said it was okay, like, that's got to be painful on a level. That's got to be, like hurtful to the point that it may even break a person who's struggling with addiction who is trying to overcome it into relapsing which is absolutely not what i want to see for jeff hardy because he's been through so much it's the betray the the portrayal is what it is is because in all the other ones i talked about it was absolutely 110 percent clear that guy's fine the heel is being a jackass for trying to bring up his past. This one, they planted a seed of doubt that says, this guy might not be okay. It might not be this. Right. And With the heel, it is about them having overcome their obstacles in life. With this, it is, did he though? Yeah. And I want to cap this off with... A possible spoiler for SmackDown, because we do record this on Thursday... Um, and it's about a segment that's gonna happen between Jeff and Seamus. It was, it is a, it is possibly one of the most controversial contract signings in WWE history, according to Sports Kida. It was noted that Renee Young, so I'm happy to see her, will host the in-ring segment with Hardy and Sheamus, and the Celtic warrior will bring a man in a lab coat and four security guards with him to confront Hardy. The segment reportedly goes on to see Hardy accuse Sheamus of trying to ruin his life. Sheamus then seeks assurances ahead of their backlash match and demands that Hardy take a urine test to prove he's clean because he refuses to compete against a junkie. Seamus insists that he will fail. Hard reportedly admits, and I guess Hard's who broke the case, reportedly admits that he does have a problem. Oh, Hardy report, not Hardy. It just says Hard. So, like, did they misspell it? They just wrote, it it just says Hard. (laughs) 
<laughs> Great reporting, y'all, by the way. Hardy reportedly admits that he does have a problem, leading to Seamus demanding that the test must be taken immediately. Seamus continues taunting him until Jeff Hardy throws the urine sample in his face. Now, now, does that mean that Jeff Hardy's pissing on SmackDown? Because it was clearly an empty cup. And then does that mean Jeff fucking pisses on SmackDown? Oh, fuck me. I, there's so much wrong with this. Especially bringing up, like, Jeff is, like, specifically. Because he's the one person who, in a fucking shoot, was forced to be pinned. Because he was too fucked up in a match. And it's like, you're bringing all of that back. This is something that if you had fucking brought, like, if you had taken the names and changed them a little bit and said this was, this happened in, like, 2000, this would have been something I would have believed WCW did at that point. Oh, yeah. FMA brings up that they did it before with Sean and the McMahons, which I would easily believe then as well. But, like, it's 20 fucking 20, y'all. And, like... Uh, him re- uh, apparently saying he does have a problem. I don't, I have to assume that's him being like, I've got a problem with you and we'll settle it in a backlash. But like, even then it's so fucking bad. Fuck man. I, I don't even know where else to go with this. Like this, is, it's literally the John Mulaney bit. It's like fucking, well, we don't have time to unpack all of that. But like, that's where it is with this storyline. Yeah, this one is fucked up on a special level, and fuck y'all for doing it, WWE, by the way. Yeah. Um, and as the, uh, hold on, I'm channeling some Dylan. Fuck you, WWE. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now on to baby faces. I would like to start with a personal baby face, who is Mark Adam Haggerty. If you are a wrestling person, a specific, Gazi, I'm fucking looking at you. Uh, he's been releasing seminars, one for social media, and I've been taking that for like our social media marketing and shit like that. But he's also releasing one on uh, how to be like an interviewer, a commentator, and I'm going to be taking that so I can hopefully get JWF a little bit better. But um, I asked him, like, hey, I got this show, JWF. How would you promote it? How would we do that? And he was so fucking on board. And homeboy, like, I, I asked, because with the open challenge that's happening on the show, I want to bring in indie guys. So I tweeted that. He retweeted it. He was like, hey, all my wrestling guys, hey, come on in. Jump on this show. So... Props to Mark Adam Haggerty. He's absolutely the biggest badass. And if you need any help with your social media or how to be a great interviewer, in-ring talent, whatever, check out Mark Adam Haggerty. Now it's time to run the gauntlet because some boys have done some very good stuff this week. Yes. And we specifically, we're bringing up the good things that have happened with this um, because we need to bring some... um, positivity <laughs> yes and so uh, we, we we refrain from some of the negativity res- surrounding this but like it, we gotta talk about it. yes uh last week of course all of the riots breaking out and the black lives matter movement getting just so much uh strength behind it and so much power and i'm like we can't not keep talking about it it's important to keep talking about it and highlight some of the great 
fucking wrestlers who have done amazing things. Unlike, uh, let's just quickly, Jackson Riker, Chris Jericho, uh, am I missing any? (laughs) No, you just, you you just hit those and it's like, fuck y'all. Anyway, the good people. Thank you, fuck you, bye! Bye! Uh, I wanna bring up, my first one is probably perennial, like, if you wanna talk about good guy wrestling... The best good guy in all of wrestling is obviously Mustafa Ali, a man who I did not realize was a former police officer. Yeah, Mustafa wasn't, he was actually one of the people, and he said this in a lot of, um, a couple of interviews, is he was almost forced off of the force, as it was, because he was too good of a person, which really brings a lot of, like, scope to the current situation that people of color are dealing with and like the systemic amount of violence that is charged towards people of color by police forces and how it is uh it's allowed yes uh and so he tweeted out and i'm sure he has made tons of donations but i actually don't have any of i there's only one donation we're going to talk about and you probably know what it is uh he but he tweeted i'm a former police officer i joined the force because i believe the only real way to bring change to policing is from within i remember being told empathy will get you killed no lack of empathy allows you to kill we have to change policing from within hashtag george floyd And like always, there's going to be some comment about you were part of the problem. No, I saw the problem and I did something to combat it. Countless times, I showed up and put a stop to any sort of harassment or excessive force. You can't change anything sitting behind a screen. The point of all this is simple. Society, and specifically our African-American brothers and sisters, have a justifiable distrust with the police. It's the responsibility of the police to fix that issue, but they won't. Thus, it's on us, as a society, to force that change from within. And And this really goes into, like, why it feels like he had to leave the force. Because he's talked about, like, how he was himself segregated from uh, the police force that he was a part of because he tried to be a decent person. Think about that for a second. Yeah, exactly. Just that phrase, empathy will get you killed, is just fucking disgusting to hear. Yeah. <sighs> now, do you want to talk about my my favorite boy of all time and what he did? Uh, first, I want to talk about our other favorite boy, Kevin Owens. Oh, that was my favorite boy. Oh, I know what your your fucking lead is. <laughs> my my biggest boy, but uh, specifically, uh, we will have to go back to the bad for a bit um, because this does also mention uh, Riker, uh, but. After some shitty tweets, yeah, from don't even certain... don't give him the courtesy of reading them. It's just Riker is a dipshit. Yeah, he the one that I will is he says thankful for the POTUS we have. God bless America, built freedom, forgotten more. No, to which <laughs> Kevin fucking Owens? Did you Kevin say Owens. wait? Did you say forgotten more? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was bastardizing as much as possible. Okay, thank you. But he doesn't deserve it to be fully um, what he tweeted. He took to Twitter. He powerbombed that motherfucker in a tweet by saying he was absolutely fucking pathetic. That he used his catchphrase of the Forgotten Sons in a trying time. 
for this bullshit. The freedom that you speak of entitles you to speak your mind all you want. I'm not here to argue that. I just really need to tell you that I think you're pushing your shitty wrestling catchphrases as all of this is happening is absolutely fucking pathetic. Good night. Riker has not responded to Owen's tweet at this right? Of course he hasn't. <laughs> because how do you... There's a lot that we uh, talk about in wrestling tweets. And that is like when you bring a back and forth to it and it's like that is building something in wrestling. This, this is an absolute fucking shutdown because you are being a shitty person and someone else is calling you out on it in the most blunt and Kevin Owens way. And he is winning. And my favorite is like, it, it's come out this week that uh, Vince is mad at Orton for like get, going back and forth with Tommaso. Because he's like, hey, don't do something like this if you're not building to a match. And I think at this point, he's like, I'll allow it. <laughs> it's okay. Because, like, there were some guys who said, speaking of Orton, uh, secondary quick baby face to him. Just for, like, pulling the greatest baby face turn of all time. Because we were all nervous. And just, then he was like, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then, like, tweeted out multiple charities to donate to. I was like, hell yeah, Randy. Yeah, and he's, he's one of, the, like, I love it when influential people point out the fallacy of all lives matter. Yeah, um, like, he pointed out very much so that, like, all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Think about that one, y'all. Oh, yeah, uh, going back to Riker, we're not gonna go heavy on him, because we just can't. Apparently, both other members of the Forgotten Sons are like, no, I'm good, <laughs> I'm good, I'm not gonna stick with him. And then, apparently, Riker has an African-American sister. Right? right oh y'all fuck yes but um you know there were a a lot of movements last week and a lot of protests and there were two guys who came out and said if you're not down with that we got three words for you black lives matter (laughs) uh yeah Holy shit, do you know the fear that comes came into me when I read Shawn Michaels got into an argument about Black Lives Matter? <laughs> yes, because I I will say there's a bit of this that, like, knowing Shawn and knowing how he has become, like, a full... He has found himself in Christianity, and he has been a reborn Christian, and that, to me, because I know how some fundamental that is Christian a d- organizations it, in this... Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. It really yeah. is. Because, like, to have somebody like that is like, no, this is wrong, y'all! It's like, you're either gonna be you're either gonna be super cool or a dick. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, but, let's see. Shawn Michaels was in a heated deb- debate at NXT TakeOver in your house ahead of the show. Michaels was discussing the current social climate with another producer when that producer mentioned that everyone already gets treated the same. This did not sit well with the heartbreak kid, we're told, who broke down systemic prejudice and inequality to the persona in a very heated discussion. I need the tapes. <laughs> Release the tapes of this. I need to see fucking HBK cutting a promo about this shit honestly like the fact like if he came out and did just cut a full on promo that would be jeez 
Yeah. So that happened. And then apparently AJ Francis, uh, NXT talent, took to Twitter and said, while somebody out here snitch into these dirt sheets about everything, somebody need to snitch that Triple H came and told us all that if we today, tomorrow, or ever want to talk to him about our feelings on Black Lives Matter, he wants to have that conversation. He added in a follow-up tweet, and he don't have to do that. And he still made sure that we knew we could. That's an ally. And apparently, Trip he gave like he talked before NXT and then afterwards. And apparently, H got very, very emotional about it. Like he was very, like making sure they knew they were all welcomed and that they were all respected. And H is a polarizing guy. He does good things and then he does bad things. But like. I mean, he's he's a lot like Shawn Michaels when you think about it. Like Shawn had that really troubled past where you know he was an asshole. H, same past. He was a complete asshole for a long time, but now he's coming out and he is being that dad that he wants to be. <laughs> Triple H wrestle dad. <laughs> he is the wrestle dad. Yeah, absolutely. Now, would you like to uh, talk about him? No, not yet. Oh, not yet? (laughs) Not yet. Because, Scotty, I I hope you know that um, famed K-pop group, BTS, has, uh, for the last week, uh, created a fundraising group called uh, One in an Army. So, remember that name if you want to help to donate. Um, And they are donating all of the funds in that campaign uh, to Black Lives Matter because they fuck it and they got their BTS army as they call it all of their fans because they are fighting against racial discrimination and violence against people of color. They say you, I- I'm sorry. It was it was the translation was a little rough. So you and I we have the right to be respected. We will stand together. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. They, uh, at the time of the article that I'm reading, they have raised over uh, $2 million. Now, do you know who the biggest member of the BTS army is? Who the biggest member of the BTS army? This motherfucker that loves God and anime, as he were. <laughs> because this is one of my favorite aspects about him that you never get to witness. Because John Cena has added his own bid to match a certain amount of what the BTS army raised towards Black Lives Matter. John Cena. Who, it was like a, a million that, bucks. <laughs> yeah, it was at least a million dollars. Um, This man who, in the past, we have talked about being worried about a person who's worried about his image, who has come out and just said, no. He said, very happy to join BTS army in efforts to match BTS tremendous donation slash army march one million cena wrote on this tweet um over the last monday one of the many reasons i respect bts um he said towards their charitable donations to black lives matter and like it's john cena y'all oh and i don't know if we ever talked about this on the show and this is not adjacent well it is somewhat adjacent but we never talked about like the gofundme they started for shad Somebody donated like $40,000 under the name CTC Forever, a.k.a. Crime Time plus Cena. 
And so everyone, uh, he's not come out to confirm it, but that's not the kind of guy that John is. But everyone's like, Cena donated $40,000 to this. I mean, this is one of those things that's like, if you're going to make a big enough donation, you need to say something about it. Because one of the things that has made me angry about people commenting on this is, have you ever heard of virtue signaling, Scotty? Yes. And it's, it's honestly ever, like... It's as, bullshit. As, as somebody who's on social media a lot, that's kind of the worry that a lot of uh, other white creators have had is like, we don't want to seem like we're... Ver- like. And I know this is not a drag race podcast, but one of my favorite drag queens, Katya, was like, I didn't... Because people were mad because she wasn't speaking up. And finally she was like, I didn't, didn't know what to do. I didn't want to seem like I was virtue signaling or anything like that. I wanted to make sure what I was saying came from the heart. Yeah, because, you know, at this time where we know it's not our, as two white guys, time to speak, um, but it is in your actions that I think your virtues are, and your virtues lie. And this action of John Cena is amazing. Like, I know the dude's got a lot of money to spare, but one million dollars for any single person is not an insignificant sum it is very significant to everybody and to know that he is so willing to do this that he is so willing to support people who are in pain who are fighting right now in the ways that he can is really really important and is really and i hope effective and impactful fuck i love john cena and final baby face of the week is honestly the baby faces, like biggest baby faces of all time. And they are the new day because it all started. Xavier Woods did something on like Twitch rivals and they were asking about it. And have you watched the video yet? I, I told you like it was a tough watch. I have not. But it's it's Xavier talking about it. And he goes, when I was a kid, I didn't realize this until recently, but everything I had done whether that be through studying or learning instruments, was done in a way to make sure that I seemed non-threatening. And it was just him going off about, like, my dad told me I would have to work twice as hard to get where other people are with only, like, half the work. And it's him breaking down all of this systemic problems that he's had to encounter through his whole life. And he's like, the fact that 30 years after that, I still have to have that conversation with my kids is ridiculous. And that was it. And I've yet, I've seen clips, but I've yet to listen to this week's New Day pod, but it is heart-wrenching from what I've seen. Like, there's one clip of Big E, this massive, goofy man who likes to come out and shake his hips for people, and he's breaking down just describing the death of George Floyd, and it just shows the impact that it has. And... It was because you know this is what people of color deal with every day on top of all of the normal shit that people like you and I would deal with, which is a lot to us. Like I, I didn't want to listen because I'm like I know this is going to be a difficult listen, but it's an important listen. Like that's kind of what I found. Like that last week was difficult, but it was very much important because I feel like everybody across the country all felt fear. We all felt afraid. We all felt like we didn't know what was going to happen next or happen tomorrow or if we would wake up dead. And I had a realization of, like, that's what 
the African-American community feels like every single day. So last week was important for us to all realize, like, this is what this community has felt their entire lives. Like, they matter. It's important to come out about this and support them right now as they do. It's, uh, it's painful to think, like, people who, that seeing what real fear of, like, telling your children to be careful when they go out is, you know, being worried that they're not going to come back, and that, that is what people of color feel every day, or in the case of George Floyd, like, your dad just left one day and he didn't come back because of this systemic problem of racism and today bu- just and bullshit just bullshit is what it is yeah 100 percent. like that that is just how um uh, that is just how people of color are treated and seen and even still so many years after um we you know everyone said that oh segregation's over the fight is over it's not and it still continues into 2020 and it still is something that we want to see ended and what's it honestly over the past week it evolved from a uh, like uh, certain members of my family have been like oh this is a black versus white thing uh, over the course of last week it definitely extended more to a no this is us versus and to quote a generic overused phrase it's us versus the system for lack of <laughs> shock of the system as it were because like it wasn't just african-american people getting beat down at those riots there were 75 year old white men getting tossed to the ground the thing that got me the most was like i saw a child a literal like three-year-old child getting maced and that was like as a new father that was enough for me to be like okay oh, fuck no. you Yep. Even today, um, my roommate, he went to a, a demonstration earlier today. Um, and it was, it was just because the police in a certain town where people were demonstrating had been treated shittily and were arrested for no reason. And they got to the point where they formed a wall of white people to protect the people of color. And it is like, this is going to be like, this is the moment where Everybody needs to speak up for equal equal rights, but the voices that need to be heard are those that have been suffering. Yes, and that's why, like, last week we did purposefully take the week off. We were like, we want to elevate their voices, but now, like, over – and this is the weirdest place this professional wrestling podcast could have went, but, like, but like I, I did realize, like, yes, it was important to take that week off, but now that we're back, we have the privilege – as two white men to come out and we need to be the one to help elevate voices. We need to be the one to tell people to go out there and support your local African-American creators, uh, trans creators. Like we need to elevate and that's our job, especially right now. Um, And we need to be the ones that act as the bulwark because at any time, like they may be, people may try to strike them down and, to show our solidarity, we will stand in front of them to take that for them. Because they deserve it. And they need it. Man, you want to talk about Zack... you want to talk about Zack Ryder? Because, like, <laughs> we were going to end the show talking about Zack Ryder. And now it feels Not- weird after all that to be like, woo, woo, woo! woo. You know you it! Know it. 
I think we've had... But we've had a long episode on this one, so I think we can close it out and feel proud of what we did. You're right, we can. And you even told me you had this plan. Fuck. <laughs> Blake, what are you talking about? I, I just want to end the show. We had a really oh, yeah, great. Oh yeah, let's wholesome... go ahead and end the thing right now. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> now what did you what did you learn this week? <laughs> Blake, what's the matter? What'd you, what'd you learn this week, buddy? What, what oh, no, you... no, sorry. I just had a bit of da, like, da, interference da, in the mind. Welcome to Talking Back, ladies and gentlemen. The official conversation with the big guy slash Ryback response podcast. I'm your host, Scotty Moore. Broken me. And Ryback, this was a very interesting headline. Because usually, here's the thing, Ryback's not dumb. I've realized that, and that makes me sad. Um, but Ryback does... He is not dumb, but he is dumb as fuck. Anyway. Yeah, yes, but, like, the, when I see him in the news now, I'm like, ah, fuck, that's not gonna be good. But this was, because it's Ryback on what Zack Ryder failed to do to get over in WWE. Oh, no. I, I think I know what you're gonna say, so I I, I think we've talked about this what, one. Would you like to predict? I think it is... That Ryder never went to talk to Vince one-on-one. Is that what he said? That is one of the things that we've talked about in the past. I think it's that. I think it's the fact that he didn't, uh, he never, uh, he never got, like, an impressive move set. Not that I don't love the Rough Rider, but that seems like a setup move, and he tried to get it off as a finisher. But his problem, Blake, is that he never stood up for himself. Standing up for yourself isn't going to make a difference when bookers have made their minds up, but I promise you, he didn't. That's the system, and it hurt him. What happens is that you miss out on huge stars. That's how huge stars are made, and they've taken that away to create their own manufactured stars. They pay them a certain amount, it's all about control. He was really, really over for a period of time, and they destroyed that. Then they took him off TV, and he'd be on and off. They... I'm gonna have to fucking change. They fucked him from every which way. And my thing is, he never stood up for himself. And I believe it because, like, but I don't because he did stand up for Cava de Tequila being the best bar at Disney World by telling me to fuck off on Instagram once. I think he does. <laughs> he does have a bit of an attitude for him. No, I I think that this what Ryback is like, and what I hate is that. WWE has created a system where you have to stand up for yourself and you have to fight for certain things. Whereas if you create something organically, you're not allowed to pursue it. Yeah. The bad thing about and it. And so Ryback. Bad thing about it is that it destroys your soul. Shut up, Blake. I'm making my own point. I'm Ryback. You start questioning your own value and you see it with people. You use guys for a certain way for so long that if you finally tell them, okay, go get over, they don't even know how anymore because they've been destroyed. Psychologically, it wears on you that that's what you are. That to me, I'm not playing that game. I know what the fuck I am, but I've seen it time and time again with a lot of people. It'll be really cool to see if he goes to AEW to see how over he can get now. The potential's there. Once you get over once, you can do it again. But is he hungry enough to get over again mentally? Rusev's another one. Bring him in. Man, that roster could be really fucking good. <laughs> That's a fucking great tagline on the end. He's like, I know we're talking about Ryder, but fucking Rusev, am I right? 
Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I genuinely think that might be what it is. Ryder does certainly seem like a guy who got a little complacent and also seems like a guy... Well, I don't want to say complacent because he did keep going. Like, he started his new podcast and kept trying to grow in certain ways, but I feel like he definitely does seem like a guy who maybe didn't stand up for himself. Maybe. And I, I see what you're saying. It's just like... The problem is... He shouldn't have had to. That's my shouldn't first. have had to. That's that's the thing. Like it is a systemic thing in WWE, which we're talking a lot about systemic stuff right now. So shock it, the it, system. Shock the system. We should not have to like have a system built where you have to stand up for yourself in that kind of way. Like the, the oh, you mean a system Kofi- where you mean a system where Kofi Kingston has to wrestle wrestle Vince McMahon off a plane. Exactly! Like, what the fuck? I think it's Vince has, like, the fucking most dangerously, overtly masculine mindset. And he's like, if you wouldn't fight a bear to get on TV, you don't belong on TV. Vince, that's not right. That's why I keep that soul man Danny B around for so long. He told me he fought five bears in the woods once just for fun. Vince, calm down. Vince, just stop. You need to... You're gonna need to fight me if you want to get on fucking TV right now. I'm a bear. I'm Vince McMahon. Oh fuck! What bear, what, Vince McMahon? What'd you learn this week, buddy? I learned that K-pop saves lives, and I learned that there's only one way Zack Ryder can get over, and that's to shock the system. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> oh, you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the dar- the YouTube on Darkroom Video, the IDYA, all that good stuff. BS podcast stuff. Okay, bye. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S E O T T Y E M O. Buy all my books on Amazon or listen to the BS Book Club to get a little preview of all my books. We're halfway through BS versus the Gods, and it reminded me how buck wild that series is. So check that out and all the other BS network programs online at a load of pure bs.com oh and special thanks to megaran for our theme song fighters go support megaran i'm gonna say it one more time go support megaran he's a great dude friend of the podcast and please give him every bit of love you can right now amazing check him out check out samus donate to local bail funds whether that be the action network for atlanta there's a gofundme set up for birmingham uh go to email for blm.com and on there you can actually send out emails to mayors and congressmen and they're actually already pre-made for you i'm extremely lazy so it meant a lot to me to where they already had these emails set out demanding justice for people like george floyd uh demanding laws be changed demanding defunding of police give all of the support you can to all of these voices and let them be heard be the stalwart as blake tanner said yes and he george floyd is the tip of the iceberg like there are so many other cases where this bullshittery has ended people's lives and destroyed people's lives and we like go out there and have your voices heard and Tell them it needs to be stopped.
Yes. And as always, you can find us at loadofpurebs.com. Step up to the merch table at merch.loadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at FightBoysShow. Fucking, I was about to say Jimmy Lloyd, but it's Jimmy Havoc. Because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life! <laughs>